Welcome to Artificial Ghost Bites, a solo episode by Miles. Miles likes to make separate titles for things, so I figured I'd follow tradition. Uh, Miles isn't feeling great at the moment. There's new medication, they're busy at work, uh, and I insisted that they took this week off. Really gave them a talking to, just really bullied them, really punched them right in the whole dick and balls. Uh, and by doing that, I mean I just told them that I care about them too much to let them record with me. So now it's just us. Which is very strange. So, now that it's just you and I, I thought we could talk about my favourite album. Feel free to grab a drink or grab a seat if you can, because I'm going to talk about Hades Town. Anais Mitchell is an Americana singer, almost 40 now, from Vermont. She has been heralded by many as the queen of modern folk, seamlessly blending tradition with soft apocalypses and childhood warmth. She possesses a great range in her music, from the grit of Tom Waits to the hum of Joni Mitchell and the poetry of Woody Guthrie, and nothing exemplifies this more than her pet project, Hades Town. Hades Town is a folk opera concept album by Anais Mitchell from about 2010, which she was working on as early as 2006, which appeared off-Broadway in 2016. The album stars the artist herself as Eurydice, Bonnie Ver as Orpheus, Greg Brown as Hades, Annie DeFranco as Persephone, Ben Knox Miller as Hermes, and the Hayden Sisters as the Three Fates, with orchestral arrangements by Michael Corney. Hades Town is a unique spin on the myth of Orpheus in Eurydice. This one is set in the post-apocalyptic Depression-era America, almost reminiscent of a Fallout game. The surface is tough and unforgiving, but despite that, Orpheus and Eurydice love each other. This adaption is not exactly faithful, but the setting makes it so that the mythical nature of the Greek characters holds pretty true, and you still get really swept into the narrative with the help of the genre of music they use, the talented musicians themselves, and the extremely beautiful songwriting by Nice Mitchell. The tracks are as follows. The Wedding Song, The Epic Part 1, Way Down Hades Town, Songbird Intro, Hey Little Songbird, Gone I'm Gone, When the Chips Are Down, Wait For Me, Why We Build The Wall, Our Lady of the Underground, Flowers, Nothing Changes, If It's it's true. Papers. How long? The epic part two. Lover's desire. His kiss. The riot. Doubt comes in, and I raise my cup to him. And they chronologically tell the myth to the listener. The uninformed. This is the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Orpheus was the prodigy child of Apollo, god of music, poetry, arts, oracles, archery, herds and flocks, diseases, healing, light, knowledge, and probably most notably the sun and Calliope, the muse for epic poetry. Orpheus could enchant any creature with a song. People and even things like trees and rocks. He fell in love with a beautiful and unique woman named Eurydice. When Hymen, the god of marriages, came to bless their marriage, he foretold that their happiness would only ever be short-lived. Soon after, Eurydice was tempted into the woods by some nymphs, where she was bitten by a snake and died. When Orpheus found her, his mourning was so powerful and moving that every human, plant, rock, and god was moved by it. Apollo, sad for his son, advised him to speak with Hades in the underworld and perhaps strike a bargain with him. Despite contemporary depictions of Hades, like the one you see in Disney's uh, Hercules, he was often one of the kinder or 
most malevolent gods, preferring not to meddle in mortal affairs and pretty much to help out any hero that sought his help. Orpheus travelled to Hades, protected by his demigodhood. Orpheus pleaded, and Hades resigned under the condition that when they walked out of the cave that led from Hades to the mortal realm, he could not look at Eurydice as she followed him. Orpheus doubted the god's word, not being able to feel her behind him, and just a few steps before the dawn, he turned to see her. The ghost of her faded back into the underworld, now gone forever. No man can go back to Hades twice, so he was stuck without her in the world of the living. Myth says he started playing a morning song with his lyre, calling for death so that he can be united with his wife again, and beasts came out of the woods in a frenzy and fought him apart. In Hades Town, the story is a little different. Eurydice is lured by the promise of safety from poverty, something that Orpheus couldn't offer by Hades. The fates encouraged her to go to Hades Town, a place the people in the mortal realm have been told is rich and beautiful. Persephone also had a more significant role in the story, encouraging her husband to give the young couple a chance. In the end, Eurydice still dies, but it's implied either Orpheus hasn't died or was never allowed to reunite with his wife, as the last song, I Raise My Cup to Him, is a memorial song. Pour the wine and raise a cup Brothers, you know how And spill a drop for Orpheus Wherever he is now the first song I heard, surprisingly, was Hey Little Songbird. Someone on my Tumblr dash reblogged it, and uh, upon listening to it, I was completely entranced. In particular, these lyrics by Greg Brown. Like a diamond down in the mine, and the choice is yours if you're willing to choose. Seeing you got nothing to lose, I. I think, however, the most production-wise, musically interesting song is the second last one, Doubt Comes In. It is by far the most eerie and haunting song on the album, mostly sung by Bonnevere. The ending is Eurydice singing her encouragement to Orpheus, which he cannot hear because she's a ghost, and then a musical interlude to imply he turned around, a distordant clash of strings and orchestra, a panic attack in the band somewhere, and Orpheus and Eurydice's story ends with a clatter. Now, why am I talking about Hades Town? Well, there's a few reasons. For one, it is a very dear album to me, and secondly, how it reflects in Trump's America. To address the first point, I think the musical production in 2016 was a pretty terrible adaption. It loses most of the character from the concept album. Hades goes from a mayoral figure that understands labouring to a point into a greasy, mean-spirited steel tycoon, and Persephone, for example, goes from a sweet-voiced and for-the-people supporter of her husband's people, who helped him see the error of his ways, to a hyena 
seen a cackling demon that wants to murder her husband. The Guardian said, and the show is not the album. Much has changed. If you loved the grit in the original, you'll need to brace yourself for some serious sheen. The new cast sing with glossy Broadway voices. Phrasing locked in place, rough edges made safe and clean. The story becomes faster and busier and loses some of the intimacy and fragility in the process. All suggestive cracks filled up. I don't enjoy this change, and I don't really need to because I enjoy the original. However, this greasy version of Hades is what you should keep in mind when moving to my second point, Donald Trump. Here's Anais Mitchell's words herself for Huffington Post, November 4th, 2016, four days before the election of Donald Trump. Ten years ago, I wrote a song called Why We Build the Wall, the very first draft of a musical theatre piece called Hadestown. It's set in a darkly political Americana dreamscape. The underworld is not the land of the dead, it's something like a company town. <coughs> now, Mars, I don't know if you heard that, but my cat just jumped up on my window, so I'm just gonna uh, go get her. What an absolute bastard. The underworld is not the city of the dead, but something like Company Town, a walled city whose citizens engage in mindless, soulless work in exchange for the security promised by their boss king, Mr. Hades. In Why We Build the Wall, Hades indoctrinates the workers in a call and response song, singing, Why do we build the wall? My children, my children, why do we build the wall? Hades Town has been evolving slowly over a decade. First it was a DIY community theatre project in Vermont, and a studio album, and a touring concert with guest singers, and most recently, an off-Broadway theatre production. At this point, Wall is an old song. I never expected it to feel new again. And then Donald Trump came along. It wasn't just that Trump made the building of the Wall central to his initial platform. It was the call and response style chants at his rallies. Who's gonna pay for the Wall in Mexico? Suddenly it felt like the song was speaking directly about today's politics, rather than about ancient mythology. People began to ask if it was written in response to the Trump campaign, when in reality, both Trump and the song were simply tapping into the same folk archetypes. There is nothing new about the wall. Political leaders have invoked it time and time again to their advantage, because it works so well on people who feel scared. And scared people are willing to give up a lot for a sense of security. In the original myth, Eurydice literally dies and goes to the underworld. She has no say in the matter. In Hades Town, though, she makes a choice. What she chooses, Hades, and the security he promises behind the wall is a devil's bargain. It doesn't exactly cost her life, but it is a kind of death of the heart of the soul. By walling others out, the citizens of Hades Town wall themselves in to hell. Eurydice quickly regrets her decision. America, too, has a choice coming up. I've taken to saying when I play Why We Build the Wall and out my shows, this song is 10 years old. Any resemblance of any contemporary political figures to the king of the underworld is purely coincidental, but we all know the underworld boss king archive when we see him. Let's not elect him president. Later on for The Guardian, she said that she started working on a folk retelling of the Orpheus myth 10 years ago, George W. Bush era, she recalls, when I was just coming out of college, still flying the idealistic student activist flag. She still looks the part, folding herself cross-legged on a chair in an old pair of red corduroy dungarees. The Iraq war had happened in my first term, and Bush got re-elected just as I graduated, and then all liberal Americans had to ask some real hard questions about what our country really is. And meanwhile, I had to grow up and get a job somehow, so there was a big mashup of 
of youthful idealism in the real jaded world, which I guess is why the Orpheus myth chimed so well for me back then. I'm finding it hard to close this out, other than I recommend listening to this album. I find myself really drawn to story adaptions like this. If you enjoy Hades Town and you like the historical nature of it, I recommend her collaborative album Child Ballads with Jefferson Hammer. Uh, if you enjoyed the production, I recommend Young Men in America. Whereas if you prefer the sort of simple acoustic sound, uh, try it her album XOA. If you take anything away from Hades Town, from this myth, or from Anais, I hope it's the emphasis on continuing forward and in trying against the odds. I sincerely hope that. I found Hades Town at a rough point in time, and it did sincerely help me out of a slump. And hey, look after yourself. Hopefully by the time this goes up, Mars will be better than ever. Back to their old self, the blue Oni to my red Oni. I'd love to hear about your favourite albums at ArtGhostPod on Twitter. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, or ideas, don't hesitate to let us know. I've been Miles, and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs>